Okay, welcome everybody. It is Wednesday, the 20th of January, 2021. Welcome to the 100 Pounders meeting of OA. Uh, our speaker today is Lizzie V. Lizzie, can you confirm that you're okay with us being recorded? Yes. You are welcome now to um, share. Please take it away, Lizzie. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rita. Oh, quickly, how much time do I have? You have th up to 30 minutes. Up to 30. Wow. Uh, Deb, Deb, how do you want your time? Sorry, I didn't even ask how rude. Deb okay. C is going to be your timer. If I could have, I'll, I'll keep my eye on you, Deb. If you could just give me ten, like warnings for 10, 10, 10 to 10 would be great. Okay. Awesome. Take it away, Lizzie. Oh, mm, my name is Lizzie V and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much for asking me, Rita. I, uh, I feel so lucky to be um, recovered and, and present enough to be able to give service at this level. Um, anytime I'm asked to lead a meeting, it's always such an honor. And then, you know, the silver lining that's, that's not so small about this pandemic is that we get to go to meetings like all over the world and be in fellowship with people that we would never ordinarily cross paths with. And it's just, um, the, the blessing is not lost on me. Um, I, uh, I want to welcome the newcomers that I don't, I don't know most of you here. I, I do see some of my God squad, my posse in the room, and I'm so grateful that you guys all came and, but anybody who's new or you're struggling, just keep coming back. That's the one thing. If I don't say anything today that you, um, identify with, um, that's okay. I do not, I'm not a mouthpiece for Overeaters Anonymous and keep coming to meetings because I'm sure you'll, if you made it to OA, um, you, you probably want to keep checking out meetings until you hear your story because um, we don't come here if we feel like there's a lot of other options, right? We come to OA when we're like, well, I guess I'll try that thing because I don't have any other choices. So that was my story. So um, let me just tell you a little bit about what it was like and just in terms of the numbers, get those out of the way. Um, I... Um, my top weight is 250 pounds. I'm down about 85 from my top weight. I still, I'm still working on, I am not doing anything. I, 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 except for continuing to surrender, but there's another 15 or ish that needs to go 15 plus, um, that are deeply spiritual. There's nothing really in my, um, a consciousness that is, you know, it's, it's mostly like a relationship with my higher power, how those meat pounds need to get released. Um, I have been around the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for, um, gosh, I want to say close to 20 years. I, um, and I have, let's, today is the 20th in three days, I'll celebrate four years of, of abstinence. So, Thank you. The, the math on that, as you can tell, is not exactly right. Been around a long time and have four, coming up on four years of abstinence. And here's what happened. Um, I was actually raised in the rooms of, of, this is my story. So this is not, you know, I was raised in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, literally in diapers running around in clubhouses in Los Angeles with my folks, my mom and my stepdad. And um, we had a, a pretty chaotic household just because people are sober don't mean they're well necessarily. And so there's a lot of drama and uh, some, you know, abuse. And um, early on, I got him so glad my folks were sober because if they hadn't been, even though the things were crazy, 
if they hadn't been and there were, were other drugs around, I would have picked those up. I um, thank God for the cookies, you guys, and the and deep freezer fill in the blanks drugs because if there was heroin around, I probably would have picked it up. But there wasn't, there was cookies. And I'm so grateful today because um, I, could, I can see so clearly how the food was the solution. And it, and it wasn't really, the food wasn't the problem. It was the answer to all my problems. So, um, you know, I, I started experiencing adversity in childhood, blood drama, started eating. Um, and then uh, I hit puberty and I ballooned up and was just kind of big. And because I had uh, dissociated from my body because of all of the trauma, I didn't really even know that I was a fat, fat teenager, fat, you know, in my 20s. And um, was very like active, very outgoing. I, I was not like a shy kid. And I started taking voice lessons in my, no, actually I'm gonna back this one up. I remember being 17 years old and at a party in high school and um, my best friend at the time, I was a cheerleader, you know, over like size 16, 18 in the cheerleading skirt, like well over 200 pounds. And um, my, another varsity cheerleader was like, Lizzie, you're so pretty. If you were thin, you'd be like so pretty. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before a thousand times. And she said, let me take you into the bathroom and show you how to be thin, how to be skinny. And I was like, okay, don't know what you're talking about. And we went into the bathroom and she tried to teach me how to throw up. And um, I couldn't find the button. I could not figure it out. And I just decided in that moment, well, I guess I'm never gonna be thin. I just associated, well, if I can't get rid of my food, I'm, I'm never gonna be able to maintain my weight at a thin weight. Um, but fast forward a couple of years and I had a voice coach who held up his pinky point finger to me and he said, if you get, if you're this big, I can get you a record deal. And wouldn't you know, I wanted to be the size of a pinky. I mean, I never knew I wanted to be a pinky size before, but in that moment I decided and started really that for me, you know, there are a lot of fat people in the world who don't really identify it as a problem or they, they don't, they're not in touch with the the obsession around it. They're just like, maybe Santa Claus is, is like at the top of that list. But for me, I woke up in that moment to like, oh, I am not okay. You know, the state that I am in right now, it's the equal sign, just you have to change, completely change. So that's really when the diseased thinking kicked in for me. And um, I began the most violent compulsive uh, diet exercise programs I, I possibly could to try to get the weight off in. And it worked for a while. Um, and I, but I did, caused a lot of damage to my body as many of you may know, uh, have personal experience with, you know, a lot of like um, over-exercising, exercise bulimia, where, you know, I wouldn't go to bed, go to bed without the number on the, the um, treadmill matching the amount of calories that I had consumed that day. And those periods of time were pretty brief because they were always, as the big book says, followed by a still worse relapse. Um, and there's a re reason why that I'm, I'm putting so much emphasis on the beginning because I, um, I, want, I want to paint a picture of the hopelessness. You guys, I had to drop out of college in my first, my second 
year for the semester uh, because I burned all the cartilage out of my knees from over-exercising you know, at like 21 years old. Um, that's pretty unmanageable, right? It's pretty hopeless. And I still didn't stop. It, it was just sort of like the thing that I was doing. At, that was the diet du jour of that, that time. And then uh, I was on another crazy diet du jour uh, with my friends because I had a bunch of friends who were in collusion with my, my need to weigh, weigh less. And um, I, I was convinced at the beginning of this particular diet, I was gonna win. We did this comp competition with all of us. And um, the details of it don't matter. What matters is uh, I hit my first bottom. I was, I remember being like 20 years old, maybe 21, rocking back and forth on the couch at my mom's house having like, I was basically detoxing. Like I have the shakes, and I have the sweats. It's like day three of this diet. And my mom walked in and she knew what was happening. Thank God she had, you know, sobriety in her background. She was like, there's a program for you. And I, at that point, you know, I had tried so many things, legal and, and illegal, illegal, you know, getting urine pregnant lady urine shots like all, all the things I don't know if any of you have tried the, the like those nutty ones but um, I'm sure some of you might have and I was desperate for the pain to stop I actually had no idea what I was getting into when I walked into the rooms of Readers Anonymous but I knew that I was willing to try something and you know what even with that level of desperation I didn't get it for maybe a year and a half but I kept coming I kept coming, I kept trying on different abstinences. And the thing that was um, true for me then was uh, nobody, I'm sure people were talking about this, but uh, nobody in my immediate sphere was, were talking about um, being sober with your food, get, you know, clearing the allergy of the body and focusing on the spiritual uh, awakening, which is really the thing that we're after, a personality rearrangement, a spiritual uh, it, you know, awakening so that we, you know, we're a different people when we inter interact with the world. So we don't continue to create the same cycles. Nobody was talking about that. Um, or, you know, it, it missed me, that memo missed me. So um, eventually, though, I did, I did get it. Uh, I got abstinent, got it, thanks, Debs. And I began working with a sponsor who for some reason, and this is the thing about sponsorship, I could hear her. Uh, I don't know why, I had tried previous, lots of previous sponsors before this one I started frequent that I got, um, but for some reason the clouds parted and I was able to hear this woman when she gave me direction. And I was, even though I'd been coming around the rooms for a year and a half or plus, um, I, I, I wasn't able to really make any changes on my own until I started working with a sponsor whose direction I was willing to take. And um, I started to recover. It was, a, it was a, an experience that I had never had. So the weight started to come off. I started to recover. I, I got myself in the middle of the herd to the best of my ability. Um, I started working the steps. I started doing all, you know, all the things she told me to do and I, like, I got better. You know, one of the, one of the um, here's an example of what got better. I, as, um, as a child of, of an, abu in an abusive household, 
one of the things that I used to do in my diseased um, behavior was turn my aggression inward because I couldn't imagine aggressing outward like the way I saw my mom and dad, stepdad do, but I would turn my own, turn my aggression inward and I would hit myself when I would like make a mistake. And I would always do it in a place where no one would see it. So it wasn't like I was getting busted, but um, I, I would do that to myself. And I remember, um, I remember not feeling like there was any way that I would ever be able to stop. It was an addiction. The self-harm was an addiction and started to work with steps. And I remember looking in the mirror one day and realizing like the fog had cleared and I could not remember the last time I had done that behavior, like the self-harming. Um, and that was just like a tiny gift, you know, but the, the bigger gift there was like being able to walk around in a size eight and not be on a diet and not be nuts. Um, so it was, it was a life beyond my wildest dreams. I got married in early abstinence. I married, I'm sure none of you are going to be surprised by this. I married an alcoholic Ta-da! and, um, but not a sober one. <laughs> And um, but it was familiar and I could fix him, don't you know? And uh, at, at a certain point that thing unraveled too. Um, but guess what? I, I let go of the most important thing to me. I let go of my abstinence. And it wasn't, it was not a switch that flipped. It was a slow fade from vibrance vibrancy to black and white sepia tone dullness. And I think that the thing that I want to emphasize here about, about relapse for me, it could, it could be different for other people. So take this for with what, for what it's worth. Um, my relapse did not begin with the food. The relapse began with like letting go of the, the structures I had had in place for my life to work around program. It, it started with, well, my husband's like, you know, drunk a lot. So I'm going to let go of my OA meetings and swap them out for a different program. I'm going to um, uh, not calling in my food. That's not really that big of a deal. Is it that big of a deal? Um, I'm going to start, you know, like the, the little things that kept me sane um, started to fade away. And then uh, eventually, you guys, I woke up and I was 100 pounds overweight. Isn't that weird? not really, you know, it, it just sort of happened. And it was an unconscious thing. It wasn't like I was walking through the grocery one store one day and I was like, oh, I would like to eat compulsively. It just did not work like that for me. It was a very slow burn. And the thing about the thing that I experienced was I like, I, I never really left in this relapse. I would come back to meetings, you know, uh, overweight. And by the way, when I came to program the first time, I did not have a hundred pounds to lose. I had like 70 pounds to lose, but the, you know, the saying there's a bottom below the bottom, you know, and it was true for me. So, um, I would come to meetings and be like, it was almost like you guys were just speaking some made up language from childhood. There was like nothing that made sense to me <clears throat> except for that. I knew that, um, I had a life problem that was not going to be solved with pills and shakes. You know, like there was, there were some things I tried in my relapse to like pull myself together. Like, let's try CrossFit. 
there's nothing wrong with CrossFit, but like, that's not the answer to my spiritual malady. Um, you know, in the beginning of the big book, it says, we are more than a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that felt so elusive to me during this time, this relapse, like I, I had no hope that I was going to have be able to have recovered. Um, and then I had another wake up moment. I was um, backpacking or whatever. I was traveling through Europe, 2000, summer of 2016. And, um, I, you know, weighed in at a nice little 250 and didn't, you know, it didn't cross my mind that that was even a thing. And it was just like the, yeah, just past the milk kind of, I, I weighed 250 pounds busting out of a 26. And I remember uh, my, my best friend and I were traveling together and we were doing a little photo shoot. Oh, Rita, do you have that photo? Um, we were doing a little photo shoot and, um, she, you know, I saw myself. This is me on the left in, in uh, somewhere in Italy, I think. And I was like posing like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so cute. And I looked at myself in the camera and I was like, oh, I saw myself for the first time, like, oh my God, oh my God, you're really like, oh, I see what it is now. So, I mean, none of my clothes fit. I, this was, I was wearing like an entire bike suit underneath this dress because I was chafing, you know, uncomfortably. So wearing like deodorant on all parts of my body that were rubbing on other parts of itself, like, nothing about my life was bearable or manageable, even though it, on the surface, like I was backpacking through Europe and was very flashy. It was so painful. Um, you can, you can unshare that now. Um, anyway, the point is I realized like, oh, I have to go back away in a real way. Not just, am I back at past 20 Debs? Okay. Um, so when I came back to the States, I started really committing to going back to meetings. Um, but you know, they say in program, there's an easy way to do program and there's a hard way to do program. I don't know if you guys have heard this. I just had some, heard someone say this. The hard way to do this program is to just go to meetings. And I started going back, just going back to meetings and I still couldn't get it. I don't know why I couldn't get it. And um, I had this, I had this moment, it was like, another Monday, you know, another Monday that, that I woke up and I was like, I'm going to start today. And um, by, you know, the late afternoon, again, I was like, going out of my mind. And then there was a meeting that Monday night, one of the meetings, my home meetings. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask whoever says yes, on whoever said, I'm just going to ask for a sponsor tonight. Like, I, I remember when I got it the last time, that was the thing that helped me stay stopped was a sponsor. So whoever says yes on this column, I'm going to ask them. And I, you know, it's like a bargaining thing with God, even though at the time I didn't really believe. Um, and I walked in to that meeting and I, I really, I looked at the sign-in sheet and the first person who put their name on the, on the sheet was like, are you kidding me? You know, really, this is who I have to ask? was the first yes. And I actually don't know that there was any other yeses on, on that sheet that night. It was just like, and you know, um, sometimes 
there's a small window of opportunity to like move on a thing that you know you need to do for yourself. And that was my window. And I knew it. It was like some match had been lit underneath me. And I, it was like, like my life depended on it. And it turned out it did, you know? Oh, and I sort of like, I mean, because this woman who had said, yes, she, she would sponsor, I'd known her for, you know, the whole time that I'd been in and out, in and in and out. And she intimidated me because she worked, she actually worked a program. I'm not going to say she worked a hard program. She would have got it. Thanks, Debs. She just worked a program and um, was that, you know, she had all the things that I wanted and I was so in my mind far away from ever being able to have those things that it was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do what, what uh, she does to get what she has. But never mind, I just was desperate. So that's what I pray for. For any of you who are here and you're hurting, I pray that you are desperate. I pray that you're desperate enough to do whatever your sponsor says to, to recover. And so when I called this woman, she never has spaces. You know, she's never available. People don't, you know, she had a space open. And this makes me cry. Um, she was going through the requirements of like what, what she asked of her sponsees. And I don't know why I just was willing. I was willing to do all the things she asked. And you guys, that night changed my life. I was, I called her after the meeting that night. I didn't, I didn't wait till the next morning. I didn't wait till the next Monday. I called her then. And you know, there were a number of things that she required. And I look back on them and I still do those things today. You know, I, um, but the most important one is that I am, I am in the literature and I am, I, I'm giving service and I have a spiritual, a relationship with my higher power. Um, Cause all the details of what she requires are really ir kind of irrelevant here. Like what's really, um, what is relevant is that she walked me and continues to this day of the same sponsor today um, who's on this call. Um, she walks me, she holds my hand and she walks me through the steps. We work the steps as they're outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And she helps me have a relationship with my higher power. And she helped because, you know, she's my friend, but she's my sponsor. And she has another, a, a different level of permission with me that like a lot of people don't have in my life. And um, she gets to tell me the truth. And I'm so grateful because, you know, as a bright and shining person, sometimes people are shy to tell me when they see me like acting, acting a fool. And my sponsor is not shy to tell me these things. And in my um, experience, I don't, I don't want to have a sponsor who kumbayas me to death. I need a sponsor who's going to tell me the truth. You know, I had a, a, an experience this weekend, this past weekend with her, where something happened and I, because of something completely unrelated to my relationship with her, you know, childhood stuff, I interpreted this like thing as like, oh, I'm bad. Something must have, what did I do wrong here? And when I talked to her yesterday, she reminded me like selfishness and self-centeredness are the root of 
most of my problems. Like the thing that I was interpreting, it was a misinterpretation and it's all because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like all my attention is pointed on me. Like uh, there's a new way of living and I get to have that because I have somebody who knows me, who's taken me through the steps and who is willing to um, tell me the truth. So what I do today, um, I obviously abstain. I am working toward and maintaining this weight. My clothes are all, my clothes all fit. There's zero drama when I walk to the, you know, go get dressed at the closet, which is, you know, a phenomenon that did not exist inside relapse for me. Um, there's like the only drama in my clothes life is like, oh, when um, something like something I've washed it so many times that like it's sort of like ugly and has those little lint balls on them and I have to it's like oh, I don't want to wear this anymore it's not it's not it doesn't feel nice to me to wear it's not because like oh I don't let's play the the lottery on like what size I'm gonna fit today um I have a relationship today oh I you know when I said I married an alcoholic I also divorced that alcoholic you know not because he was an alcoholic but because um we we grew apart and um and I've so I've been divorced for six years and I'm in a relationship today with a, a healthy human being that's a direct result of working the 12 steps of this program like if I hadn't cleaned up my side of the street there's no way I could be in a conscious wakeful relationship that I'm in because of this program um and I get to stay in it because of this program, because of my sisters in this program, because I'm honest with my sponsor about what's going on in my life. Um, and I practice these principles. I, tr you know, I try to practice these principles in all my affairs. You know, that part in the 12 steps, it says like, uh, we are not saints. We we're, the point is we're trying to grow along spiritual lines. We practice progress, not perfection. A lot of times people interpret that incorrectly. They, they talk about like, um, progress around the food like sure that's that the road is going to always get narrower but what the big books big books not talking about the food big books talking about spiritual principles the way we show up in our lives we're always striving to be more uh, right-sized that's it starting striving to be right-sized and plugged into our higher powers and sometimes we mess it up but we have a design for living you know the big book of alcoholics anonymous is designed for how to this you know our way of life has its advantages for all and so like, you know, if you're here and you're not sure if you're one of us, I would say there's still something for you here. The 12 steps of this program are designed for living that can make your life better. Even if you're not sure if you, if you are a compulsive overeater. So just, I would say, stick around. Don't leave before the miracle happens for you. Um, you know, I'm pretty headstrong and obstinate. And if it can happen for me, it can happen for anybody. And again, I'm so grateful. Thank you for asking me, Rita. Thank you to everybody who's here. Welcome to all of you newcomers. Keep coming back and thank you for letting me be of service. Turn it over to you. Thank you so much. I'm now gonna turn off the recording, Leslie. That was wonderful. Guys, can we all give Leslie?